Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 268, and it is titled How to Change Fear, Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety Using Unconventional Methods. And I have a guest on the show today to help us explore some of these unconventional methods. So what we're really going to be talking about, yeah, we're going to talk about fear, we're going to talk about guilt and shame and that kind of stuff, but we're also going to talk about other men's sexual health problems which we talk about on this show all the time, so that's nothing new. But what is going to be new here is the way we approach dealing with those because the guest today has some unconventional and unique approaches. So these are things you may not have heard before. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be different, I think, than some of the uh, more traditional methods for dealing with these issues. And of course, when we're talking about fear, guilt, shame, anxiety, those things are not gender specific, right? Everybody experiences them from time to time. So um, don't tune out if you are a lady. It's not going to be just for men. There's going to be some uh, stuff that applies equally across the board. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this because, you know, when I first started doing this work, a lot of the what we're now considering more traditional methods for dealing with things like erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation, sexual confidence, anxiety, sexual shame, those things really were not being talked a lot, uh, talked about a lot by a lot of people. Um, and so there was really a huge need to cover that. And there still is. I'm not saying that there isn't. But over the years, more and more people have started to figure out, you know, what needs to be done in that area. And so I'm kind of excited to be potentially bringing some new ideas to the table that I definitely have not uh, heard a lot of people talk about when it comes to these topics. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting show. Hang in there. First, a short sponsor, from, a short word from our sponsor. Power and Mastery 3.0 is here. The men's sexual mastery program you have heard about on this show for a long time is now even better. I have personally reviewed every module, lesson, video, audio, and PDF to see if there's anything new that needed to be added. As a result, I have added 10 new videos, one new audio, eight new PDFs, and dozens of links to handpicked products to help support your journey to mastery. In addition, there's also a brand new user interface that makes it easier to navigate the course and find your course materials. So if you are ready to become the sexual master you have always wanted to be, then go to powerandmastery.com. As you know, that is the Men's Sexual Mastery series of courses that Celine and I created. This is the latest version 3.0. I've put a lot of work into uh, adding to these courses and making them even better than they were before. So go check it out at powerandmastery.com. Okay, so today I have a guest on the show, Sebastian Harris, and Sebastian is a dating and sex coach whose mission is to help motivate and inspire men to embrace their sexual energy and to improve their sex life. He has helped men from all over the world to fulfill their potential as lovers. Now, you may be asking why don't you see Sebastian? <laughs> Sebastian has requested to remain semi-anonymous, at least his uh, face. You will see a picture in the corner of the screen here. 
but you will not be seeing him live, but he is here live with us. So welcome, Sebastian, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. All right. So before we talk about the unconventional methods themselves, I'm wondering if you can just tell the audience a little bit about the types of sex, love, and relationship issues that you usually work with. So what are the types of things that you see frequently that you tend to work with clients on? The most common issues that I'm working with is especially when men contact me who are in long-term relationships or long-term marriages and they struggle in their relationship and in their marriage, or let's better say their sex life is struggling. And most of the time, it's men who are in relationships where there was once a lot of passion, a lot of desire for each other, a lot of sexual fulfillment. And then over time, everything got a little bit, well, a little bit worse. <laughs> like the desire went away, the passion went away. And I also work with guys who never brought their girlfriends or wives to an orgasm, who struggle in that regard, who don't know any specific sexual techniques and how to use them. And I also work with a lot of guys, especially when it comes to the hypnosis sessions I offer, um, who have erectile dysfunction or who have premature ejaculation and all kinds of other, let's say, sexual dysfunctions. And in my experience, a lot of times, unless, of course, there was a certain physical trauma, for example, a surgery or an accident, but a lot of times these sexual issues are, are very closely related to some emotional thing going on, to some past trauma that is unresolved. And this is especially something where I believe men often don't want to look at so much. Like we often try to fix something. Yeah, give me that pill, give me that thing, and I'm good again. Um, but especially when it comes to the inner work, when it comes to, yeah, when I then, for example, say things like open your heart and my coaching client looks at me like, uh, what? <laughs> Like these are often things that that the guys never really think of, but they can have a huge impact on sexual function, sexual satisfaction, and also in an even bigger picture, how your girlfriend or wife reacts to you in the bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. I would say in my experience, the overwhelming majority of clients that I work with don't have an actual physical problem. And, and I think... Um, that's why the work that you do and also the work that I do uh, is so important. By physical problem, I mean, you know, they don't have something that needs to be medically treated, right? Um, and that's where I think that uh, alternative methods are really important, which is really my next question to you. From your perspective, I'm curious why you think uh, the alternative methods are so important to helping men with these problems. The biggest reason why they are so important is, I think, what you just mentioned, that a lot of times there is some, some emotional issue that's underlying and the guy's not really aware of it. And a lot of the clients that I have, for example, they try to fix everything in a sense from the external perspective with medicine, with different therapy, let's say, medical treatments medical things um they did often also because the wife wanted to or because the girlfriend wanted to some marriage counseling um and all that kind of stuff but they never really addressed the underlying issue because either they weren't aware of it 
or also often they were too scared to go there. And that's something that a lot of men don't really, they they don't admit it to themselves because I believe, and I would love to hear your perspective on it, but especially when it comes to these emotional issues, these underlying things, a lot of men try to fix everything on the surface, like to put the plaster and the bandaid on it, and then it's okay. But I mean, we men, we've been conditioned over generations and generations to man up, to not cry, to be stoic, to, and especially nowadays, I think with this whole dating advice going on there and this red pill stuff of like, don't ever show emotions. If you show emotions, she will leave you. They are incredibly scared. I had that so many times that, that I had a guy in a coaching session who was actually scared of opening up about his issues. He was scared of talking about these things with his girlfriend because he's so conditioned um, from external sources that, oh my God, she will leave him the moment that he will be vulnerable and the moment that he will open up. And I truly believe, and from my perspective, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm into meditation. I uh, do a lot of spiritual practices. And from my own trauma healing journey, I know for a fact that if you don't address these underlying emotional issues, yes, you can push them away one year, another year, another year, but at some point you have to address it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I would say that that's not even just men anymore these days. It's probably more heavily weighted on the men's side, but I see that with, with both men and women, which is they only really want to address the surface stuff. And we see that in most of the mainstream healing methods as well. All they ever really do is address what we call symptoms, whether the symptoms are physical symptoms and it's a medication or whether the symptoms are psychological symptoms, they're still only really ever addressing those symptoms and not really getting to the core. So I agree with you. Um, that, is, that issue is really pervasive throughout society. And I think that's where alternative methods really come in uh, and attempt to address that. Um, I, what I think is also interesting, you were just talking about the idea that men are not supposed to be vulnerable and share their emotions. And there are absolutely teachings out there that are teaching men this. And like so many things in this world, I believe that there is a massive misinterpretation of the original teaching here. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. Because, yeah, and I'm, oh, please go ahead. No, no, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Well, <laughs> like, just, like my just interpretation very, yeah. is, is this, which is that um, women absolutely want men to be vulnerable and they absolutely want them to share their feelings. However, what they don't want is a wishy-washy mess of an emotional man who can't, you know, basically hold a container for her, right? So she's, she's not going to be happy if you're this constant mess of emotions. However... She does want you from time to time to be vulnerable and be able to express to her how you're feeling in certain situations, which would include sharing some of your emotions, right? But that gets all mixed up and it's like, no, no, you can't share any emotions whatsoever. You have to be stoic. And that's absolutely not what women are looking for. <laughs> I 100% agree with you on that. And I always use the following example. What a lot of men think when they... When they think about vulnerability or being vulnerable is basically 
Oh my God, Whoa, I'm a victim. Oh my God, my life sucks. I can't do anything about it. Please, mommy, come here. That's basically what they think about when it's vulnerability. What vulnerability really means is to have the emotional intelligence to first of all accept your emotions, to embrace them, and to then also with a sense of, you could say, emotional control which i see as a part of emotional intelligence to communicate your emotions because there's a difference between communicating your emotions and blaring them out like a five-year-old child with a temper tantrum or communicating your emotions in a confident way for example when when i'm in bed with a woman and i talk about my heart surgeries that i had as a baby and as a child and as a teenager like sometimes there's a tiny tear that's rolling down my eyes because i think about these memories that's being vulnerable when i communicate it in a confident way that actually also has something to do with the hero's journey in my in my opinion and i actually had women who told me that this was the moment they fell for me because there was a strong emotional component to it i mean connecting with another human being sexually emotionally it's all about emotions but again it would be completely different if i would say well you know i had these heart surgeries uh, i will never achieve any success oh, poor me there's a really big difference between that and i think you and i in this case would agree completely that yeah being vulnerable and uh being a whiny <laughs> however you want to call it <laughs> um is not the same thing yeah, definitely. I, I, you're right. I do completely agree. And I like the way that you summed that up. It was really clear, the distinction between the two. And, you know, what, what I'm seeing in society is, is men tend to end up in one or the other extreme camps, right? They're either in the, I'm a victim, you know, wah, wah, you know, woe is me kind of thing, or they're, I'm not showing any emotion whatsoever. And so I think to bring this message as we are right now in this show that you can, there is like a middle ground, so to speak, where you can be vulnerable and share, but you can do so in a way that also is manly for lack of a better term, right? Like you're still being, uh, you're still in your ma healthy masculinity. You're still holding a container and a space but you're also showing that you do feel something and that you're interested in communicating that to her. So um, yeah, totally in agreement, absolutely a middle ground. And I really hope that men who are listening to this can really hear that. All right. Now, one thing, one thing, if I can add that also to, to being vulnerable, which is something that some men don't even think about in this, in this sphere. If you are together with a woman, let's say as an example, um, a man has a certain sexual dysfunction. Let's say um, he's in bed with a woman. I mean, it never happened to me, but let's say if it happens to a guy, he's in bed with a woman and he can't get it up, which by the way happened to me. That's not what I meant, but let's say he can't get it up. And the woman does what you only usually see in some whatever teenage American pie comedy movie where she goes like, oh my God, oh my God, get away from me, you loser. If a woman would react like this, then you know that you don't want to be in a relationship or even dating or seeing this narcissistic woman again. Yeah. Because in my experience, and I mean, I'm very honest about, let's say, also sharing these kind of experiences with my audience. Like, for example, the very first time 
um, I had a sexual experience with a girl who was modeling. I was so overwhelmed by her beauty that this thing wasn't working. And I was just completely honest in this moment. I said, like, look, you're so beautiful. My brain and obviously my penis can't handle it right now. So how about we're just cuddling and kissing a little bit? And she was totally understanding. And then after a while, I felt comfortable and everything was working. I've never experienced it and also so have none of my clients that a woman did what so many men are afraid of, like laughing at them and ridiculing them. But if a woman would ever react like this with you, then you know that she's not the right woman. And the same is, of course, also true the other way around. Let's say if we're talking about a woman, let's say, suffering from vaginal dryness, as an example, and she wants her boyfriend or the guy she's sleeping with to use lube, and the guy is then shaming her for it, or making fun of her, then you don't want to be with this person. Yeah, that is an excellent point to bring up. Women are far more understanding than we men give them credit for sometimes. We do have this fear that if for whatever reason our sexual performance isn't up to par or our penis isn't working, that they're totally going to shame and ridicule us. And that has never been my experience uh, at all, um, and nor have I really heard that much from clients. Women are generally pretty understanding. The only thing that they really ask for is that you communicate with them. And so in your example that you just brought up, you did a beautiful job of it really just communicating to her what was happening for you in that moment. And she was like, oh, okay, now I know. Great, right? Exactly. And some guys are actually dickheads about it. I mean, I've talked to women where, for example, a guy couldn't get it up and then he was blaming the woman for it. <laughs> and of course, that's not the right thing to do. And I think there are, there are two reasons why men are so focused on that and think that women are so ruthless. First of all, pretty obvious pornography. I mean, if a guy, for example, watches some porn where the girl goes like, oh my God, uh, it's not big enough. Then of course, the subconscious mind saves that. But what I think what also plays a role, and I would again love to hear your opinion on that, is that we men often come to this wrong conclusion that we look at a beautiful woman and because of her physical attractiveness, we automatically assume that this woman has no fears, no insecurities. She's not a human being. She's a goddess. She's always happy, smiling all day long, confident like a rocket. And how could she possibly in any way or shape or form have inse has insecurities? Yeah, and, yeah. Well, that, that then leads to that mismatch. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, look, guys, if you're thinking that, boy, do you have it wrong. Most of the really beautiful women that I have known in my life are generally just as insecure as any other woman and sometimes even more insecure. Why? Because they're so beautiful. A lot of times men won't even approach them. They, they just out of, they just go, you know what? She's out of my league. I'm not even going to approach them. So you think that they have this line of men down the street and they get to be super choosy and uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. But that's often not the case. Uh, and they're often very insecure about that fact that people are afraid to approach them. Uh, they don't necessarily know how to act in certain situations. So this idea that, you know, this woman is so beautiful that, um, yeah, it's just simply not true. Yes, she may be beautiful. Yes, there may be a few women out there who are like that, but they're not the majority. And uh, you really would want to see her regardless of how beautiful she is, supermodel, whatever, as basically the same as any other woman. In other words, she has the same concerns, the same fears, the same all of that stuff that any other woman would have. 
And especially in my experience, especially women who are modeling, and I'm not talking about some Instagram model with 5,000 followers. I mean, like girls who are really modeling, they are the most insecure because all day long they are judged for their physical appearance. And when their one fingernail breaks and one little scratch or something, it's the end of the world. Um, because basically that's, that's what they are judged for. And what, what you also just said, which is interesting with the, um, a lot of beautiful women not getting approached. That's something that a lot of guys don't believe me when I say it, because I mean, I also have another podcast, um, a dating podcast where I help men to overcome their approach anxiety and get over their fear of women. And I had so many clients, especially clients, um, who I coach had in-person coachings with who were shocked when like the most beautiful women reacted the most positive because yes, they get 10,000 DMs and likes on Instagram and oh my God, you got us. Oh my God. Oh my God. Comments. But whenever a man sees them in public, they often look and they never do anything. And if you still don't believe me, then ask your five best friends. If a top model would walk, walk past you, which of the guys would approach her? I bet you that all of the guys would say, Oh my God, <laughs> no, never. She's way out of my league. Yep. And that, and that's, that's what these women have said to me. So, um, yeah, that's, that is a real thing. And it's something as a guy to be conscious of, right? So one, don't treat them differently. And two, if you do see a beautiful woman and you want to approach her, go for it. But that's not always an easy thing to do. Um, and so this is where I want to kind of shift the conversation into what these alternative approaches are. So let's talk about, I, I've got a bunch here, I'm going to kind of jump around in order. But since we're talking about approaching a beautiful woman, let's talk about sexual confidence. How, like, how do you deal with that? Well, how, what type of approach do you use to help men with their sexual confidence? I always want to find out what is the underlying issue that leads to a lack of sexual confidence. And when it comes to then identifying that underlying issue, then I'm going to think about how we can tackle that the best way. To give you an example, if a guy has, um, what's the word for it again? Body dysmorphia. Like, let's say he's not confident with his body because, I mean, let's use my own example. When I was in my early 20s, um, and especially in my teenage years, I was so insecure and I had so much self-hate because of my scars, because of my heart surgeries. And I kid you not, it's a true story. With my very first girlfriend, I did not take my shirt off. Like, I just couldn't do it until at some point I had no other chance. And she then reacted in the most positive way and said, like, don't worry about it. It's all good. But for me, it was like the biggest insecurity. I didn't go with my friends to the lake because I didn't want to see, want other people to see me. I was afraid of that completely. It was one of the biggest, let's say, fears that I have. And nowadays, I'm so open and so okay with it. And one thing that helped me tremendously, that especially my American clients, because most of my clients are Americans, are always confused about in the beginning. But for me as a German, it's very normal. And that's nudism. If you at some point or right now are not happy, and I would say that to a man and a woman, if you're not happy with the way your body looks, one of the best things you can do to accept yourself more, to be around people who are accepting of your body shape, of the way you look, is nudism. That's one of the most freeing experiences ever. And I still remember the very first time I went to a nudist speech, I was like shaking. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing here? Oh my God. And it was just so freeing to then talk to these people. And I went to different resorts and 
Um, it's also a great place to network, by the way. There are a lot of successful people who do that. You wouldn't believe it, but it's a very, 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 how can I say, body-embracing way of living your life. And that's the first tip I would give in this regard. That is so healing. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you and I, we talked a little bit in the pre-interview about this. Uh, I have been a nudist pretty much my entire life. I happen to live very close to one of the often considered top nude beaches in the world. I've been spending over 20 years hanging out down there uh, when it's warm and sunny. And I can honestly tell you from personal experience that you will see every type and shape and color and grooming and and size that you can possibly think of. People think, oh, they're going to go to a nude beach or maybe a, a nudist club, and it's going to be all these beautiful supermodels running around, and they're not going to look like that, so they don't want to do it. It's not like that at all. It is like any other segment of the population. You've got everything that you can possibly think of. This is one that I often recommend for guys who have insecurity around the size of their penis. Because having spent a fair amount of time around nudist places, all sizes. And I can tell you, the big ones are the minority. <laughs> they are the minority. And Most <laughs> men are not that big. But then again, all these guys running around thinking that their normal size is somehow small. And it's like, no, just go hang out where there's a bunch of naked men. You'll soon realize that you're perfectly average, probably right in the middle of everybody else. And guys, always remember there are showers and there are growers. That's that, also good to remember. That, that is true as well. <laughs> but it's really a real thing. Like I, I have a personal friend um, who, you know, he comes down to the nude beach with us sometimes as well. But he's always had this thing that his penis is too small. And it's not at all. And, and I've spoken to several of his girlfriends about it. Like, no, it's great. Like, we don't, need, we don't know. But in his head, to this day, he still thinks he's too small and he's got, you know, an issue around that. And so it's a real thing, regardless of how many women might tell you, no, it's perfectly fine. Uh, sometimes men suffer with that problem. And so that can be a real uh, impediment to being sexually confident because, you know, it's very similar to what you were sharing with not wanting to take your shirt off. A lot of times these guys, you know, don't want to take their clothes off or they're afraid that as soon as they, you know, take their pants off, she's going to laugh at him or she's not going to be satisfied or anything like that. Whereas the majority of the time, they are probably just perfectly uh, big enough for her. Most women are not looking for gigantic cocks. Exactly. And I mean, in this situation, always remember, let's say porn is your enemy when it comes to that. Of course. Like if you watch a lot of porn, then of course you will think you need some kind of 30 centimeter baseball bat. Um, <laughs> Which, I mean, there's a, there's also a limit to what a woman can take, let's say it like this. And um, it's way more important, at least in my experience, to know how to use that thing instead of like it being like one or two centimeters shorter or, or longer. Um, and of course, the more you also know about other sexual practices, like, for example, making her squirt, giving her G-spot orgasms, licking her to an orgasm. Then she will be so satisfied that she she will actually forget that you have a dick. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So okay. So your first piece of advice is you know go spend time around nudists to help you get over that part. Uh, anything else that you would recommend or that you would do with mm -hmm. a client in order to help them with their sexual confidence? 
Definitely. Um, I would say sexual confidence is often also linked, at least for a lot of guys, to their confidence in general. Like I, for example, experienced it that a lot of guys who suffered from sexual confidence issues, they often also in combination had something like social anxiety or insecurities in other situations in their life. And in this case, a simple step-by-step program to step out of your comfort zone outside of the bedroom, but also inside of the bedroom. Um, what I also, I mean, <laughs> to, to share that with you, I don't know, maybe it's too politically incorrect for the podcast, but I did that with one client. And I also write about that in my book on my dating podcast. Um, I had one coaching client who was absolutely terrified of, uh, anything sexual, like of seeing a woman naked. The thought of seeing a woman naked, um, stopped him from actually approaching a woman because in his mind subconsciously and at some point he was also consciously aware of it he thought okay if i walk up to that woman i get the phone number i get a date at some point we have to be in bed and oh my god i can't do that and what i did then and i want to make a very clear disclaimer here no sex was involved nothing no um let's say how to say prostitution, nothing at all. Um, because in Germany, all that stuff is completely legal. And it's, it's okay. I hope it's okay if I talk about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's nothing because I know in the US it's not, but in Germany, it's totally legal. And we have a lot of those, what it's called sauna clubs, which is basically like a big spa for men with like 20 naked girls walking around to want to, let's say, uh, have fun with some clients for money. It's completely normal. We have that in almost every city. And I just went there with him. And we just paid the entry for the spa. We didn't do anything naughty, like like I said, nothing with prostitution. But he was then surrounded by naked women. And I will never forget that picture. Him on the couch with two naked girls next to him. And he was like, oh my God, oh my God, like almost going crazy. I was like, just relax in the situation. I know you can do that. I know you can do it. And we were just talking to them. Because you could just go there, have a sauna and whatever, and then go away again. And we were just talking with them. And he got calmer and calmer because he was exposed, basically exposure, exposure therapy in a sense, um, to those naked women. And then after about, I think it was 30 minutes or 40 minutes, we went out again. And I was like, can you approach that woman? He's like, of course I can. What do you think? <laughs> and his whole anxiety was basically gone. So exposure theory is something that you can do step by step. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, th- the the premise of this show is that there are alternative ways to approach these issues, and you just gave two that that people don't usually talk about. One, of course, is spending time around nudist uh, places, and the other is this exposure therapy. And I think those are those are really interesting and unique approaches to dealing with it. But in in the case of the client you were just sharing, it sounds like you, it had a tremendously positive effect. Exactly. I also had that, for example, I mean, I didn't do a coaching with him in Amsterdam, but I had a client who told me, an American actually, that he on his holiday to Amsterdam, he was just flirting with the girls in the windows there. He didn't do anything sexual. He was just flirting with them. And by doing that, he was practicing being sexual with a woman in a, let's say, communication sense, eye contact sense, body language sense. And this already helped him. And then I would say one of the best things that every man can do, and I think every human being on planet Earth, no matter what gender, is meditation. Mm. Because 
so many times sexual performance issues are because of nervousness. Just like in the example I shared with you when I was with this really beautiful woman, I mean, my brain was going left, right, center in every direction. And then there was no blood for my penis anymore <laughs> because it was all in my brain going like, oh my God, what's going on? Oh, afraid, afraid. And the more you meditate and the more calmness you develop in your life, the more calm and relaxed you will be in the bedroom. And I would even see that as a bigger picture. Then you also have to ask yourself, do I live a life that allows me to live in a relaxed space, in a relaxed um, yeah, in a relaxed state? Because, I mean, there's so much scientific research that when your cortisol level goes up, your sexual function goes down, your testosterone goes down, the blood flow in your in your body goes down, which means like the blood can't flow to your um, to your penis anymore. And nowadays we are so conditioned to live these lives of constant stress, we are basically trapped in a fight or flight mode all the freaking time. Whereas in the past there was like the saber tooth tiger in front of the cage, and after ten minutes he was gone again. Nowadays we're around that coworker who triggers us eight hours a day. Then we're in traffic then we are stressed because of something else. And this is something where a lot of my clients in the beginning go like, eh, but I thought you'd just share some one, two techniques with me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at your life in the big picture. Yes, yes, and more yes. So two things I want to talk about there. Uh, and this came up actually in, in the first thing we were talking about was sexual confidence. Uh, you mentioned it twice, and I just kind of want to reiterate it because it's something that I teach my clients all the time, which is that your sex life and your relationship is not external to the rest of your life, right? So what, what you pointed out was, you know, okay, they're having issues with sexual confidence, but if I can help them become more confident in other areas of their life, they'll see their sex life becoming more confident, right? And I do the same thing with uh, my clients where I'm like, okay, let's get you more confident in the bedroom. But I'm going to tell you right now, you'll also see that your confidence outside the bedroom is going to improve as well, because these things are not separated in vacuums, right? So it's all part of who you are. And the same thing with the anxiety. You are absolutely right in pointing out that we experience massive amounts of anxiety all day long through all the other you know, interactions that we have, our work, you know, maybe other relationships, just the stress of driving in the car, whatever it is, and that is also going to affect performance. You can't isolate those things. You, you need to address them all together. So um, you're absolutely right about that. And then um, the next part, which is the meditation, is also something that I often will work with with clients. And I think it is a tremendously powerful tool, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, I often get the same response from clients. They kind of roll their eyes, and they're like, uh, yeah, I've heard of this meditation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a spiritual voo-voo. Yeah. I mean, I always use like meditation and, of course, also hypnosis. Um, Which I, I want to get into. Sessions, yeah. Yes, I want to get into that in just a moment also. Um, but I do want to say meditation absolutely works. I've had clients who absolutely were like just doing it to humor me, and then later on were like, yeah, you know, I noticed actually... I was significantly calmer. My favorite clients are the ones like, you know, I just finished up uh, working with a client who, you know, I, I generally try not to get too into things like, you know, esoteric teachings like, you know, chakras and tantra and all that, even though I have a strong background in it, because I know a lot of people just, they can't connect with it and resonate with it. So if they didn't come to me specifically for that, I try to kind of leave that terminology out. But I was working with this client and I wanted to introduce him to 
two ideas. The ideas of how to move energy through his body and how to use meditation. And at some point he says to me, he's like, oh yeah, well, I know all about chakras and stuff like that. And I went, oh, okay. Now I, now there's no holding back, right? Like now I can use all the words I want to use. And so I love working with those clients because when I brought the idea of meditation in and how he could use that towards helping his sexual performance, it's like a light bulb went off and he was like, oh, oh yeah. He had never thought of using it for that. I mean, yeah, also I'm very honest about, let's say, the spiritual practices that I do, for example. I mean, I'm, I always want to say I'm not affiliated with that guy at all, but I always recommend the teachings of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Um, he has a lot of guided meditations. I went to several of his week-long advanced retreats, so I'm totally into that kind of stuff and i just share it with my clients i say like honestly i'm not affiliated with him i don't gain anything there's no financial benefit it might help you maybe you want to have a look at it and then i also say just practice the meditation techniques that i share with them do it for 30 days if it doesn't work at all call me a spiritual idiot it's all good don't worry no hard feelings <laughs> but to be honest i never had a guy who actually did it and who didn't achieve at least a positive effect yeah. Never. It, it's amazingly powerful. And I am a big fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. My wife, uh, Celine, was a huge fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza and did a lot of his work. Having read several of his books personally, um, and of course, listened to a lot of his videos as well. But what I think is interesting about his work is, you know, he's not necessarily uh, creating anything that hasn't already created, but what he's doing is using science and technology to validate it. So, exactly. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. I find it fascinating because basically what they do is they hook people to a bunch of biofeedback at the beginning of a workshop and take all these measurements of what's going on in their body. Then they go through, you know, this couple of days or whatever of doing these meditations. And then they take all of those uh, measurements again. And then they find that massive things have shifted in their, in their physiology. Let's talk next a little bit about uh, the hypnosis, because that is something that uh, I don't hear a lot of people talking about when it comes to uh, basically sexual issues. Yeah, I mean, hypnosis was something that always interested me because... If you can maybe remember, I mean, I don't know how it was in the US, but especially in Germany, about 10 years ago, neuro-linguistic programming was really the the big thing. <laughs> Everybody was talking about it. It was like this huge thing. And there were always some connections with hypnosis. And then on my journey, let's say, while diving deeper into the meditations and into all that kind of stuff, I then, I, I don't even remember when it was, but I was again introduced to a hypnotist who I had read about in, I think it was the game back then, like that, that um, dating pickup book um, that started this whole seduction, let's say seduction community in a sense from Neil Strauss back then. And that's Mike Mandel. And I then decided to take his certification course because I was just interested in it. And then I took another certification course and I got more and more into it, bought different books, developed my own hypnosis um, techniques. And at first, I only used hypnosis for sexual confidence, where I thought like, okay, let's just use it for confidence. I mean, it's subconscious programming. 
basically in hypnosis, I get my client in this beautiful brainwave state where they are very receptive, like an alpha brainwave state where they are very receptive to new information. Their subconscious mind is receptive to it. And then we change beliefs and develop more confidence until this one client, and I will never forget that this one client had trouble keeping an erection. He could get an erection, but not keep an erection. And he had already tried so many different things. He was already on a guy in his late 50s, if I remember. He was already on Cialis. He already had some, what else was it? Like testosterone replacement therapy. Like everything basically, as John Spencer would say, matter to matter. This kind of in the physical sense. And he just asked me, hey, can we do a hypnosis for um, me keeping my erection? So for erectile dysfunction, basically. And I was like, um, yeah, but I want to make one thing clear, like disclaimer here, no guarantee. Um, we're just going to do this because I wasn't really so sure if it would work. And I did it with him and he was like, he felt so amazing in it. I let him like visualize everything and go into this deep, relaxed state. His subconscious mind embraced it. He felt amazing afterwards. And he sent me a message, a voice message over WhatsApp the next day. He was almost crying in that voice message. So happy was he. And he told me like, oh my God, like I had sex with my wife. It was amazing. And I could keep the reaction. I was like, okay. That is unique. <laughs> and then after that, this this was for me the confirmation like, hey, Sebastian, you can do it. Hey, hypnosis also can work for that. Um, and since then, I use it for all kinds of different things, sexual confidence, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation. Um, again, I always say disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional. I'm a certified hypnotist. I'm a coach, but not a medical professional. I can, of course, never give any guarantees. But the success from my clients with it is really, really incredible. Yeah, it's a very, very powerful tool. And um, again, I just I don't think a lot of people are really using it in the way that you're using it. So I think it's interesting to put it out there and let people know that there are alternatives. There are other options out there. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the guy. Uh, with the being able to keep his erection. And this is a very common misconception. And I don't know that the doctors prescribing these things do a very good job of really telling people how this works. But all those medications do is increase blood flow into the penis, but they do nothing to keep it there. <laughs> so, that's actually a very good point yeah <laughs> but it's true they do absolutely nothing to keep it there and so you know if you go in and you tell a doctor well you know yeah i can get an erection but it doesn't last and they well, we'll put you on you know cialis viagra whatever it is that's not actually addressing the problem you're going to maybe force more blood in there but you're not doing anything to figure out how to keep it there <laughs> so that's a that's a big uh misunderstanding i would say to men who are listening, that if you uh, can achieve an erection and it just you can't keep the erection, uh, that don't be fooled into thinking that those particular drugs are going to solve your problem. In fact, coming up in a few weeks, I will be having a doctor on the show to specifically talk about that exact issue of how do you keep the blood in the penis from a more matter perspective. Right now, we're talking from a more psychological perspective. Okay, I got a couple of other things here. We're getting kind of close to the end of the show, but there are a few little things we talked about in the pre-interview uh, that I wanted to just bring up and see where they go. So 
we talked a little bit about the self-love factor, and I'm wondering if you could maybe talk to the audience a little bit about how self-love factors into these types of issues and then how your unconventional methods can work with that. Oh, self-love has a huge effect on how you perform in the bedroom because if you are, I mean, it's all, it's all interconnected. Let's say it like this. If you are not confident about your body, like again, my example with my scars back in the days, I didn't really love myself. In fact, I hated myself. And this again has a negative effect on my sexual performance because I hate myself and I perceive myself as unattractive. I then also assume that other people, in this case, the woman I'm sleeping with, will most likely perceive me as unattractive. And then, of course, my sexual function goes down the drain. So I believe it's all connected, like self-confidence, self-love, how attractive you perceive yourself as, because if you truly love yourself, you embrace yourself the way you are. And again, here I want to say... Um, I see it a little bit different than some people. When I say I love myself the way I am, I don't mean that it should give you permission to just eat potato chips all day long to get so <laughs> overweight that you can't see your penis anymore and not walk up the stairs anymore. It's about loving yourself the way you are, but also at the same time saying, hey, where can I improve? Which areas can I improve? And for me, that's why it's so interesting that we talked about that, let's say, Joe Dispenza and the meditation practices. I really developed self-love when I practiced brain and heart coherence and really tuning into my heart. And this is also something that I often practice with clients, where sometimes in the beginning they say, what, brain and heart coherence, heart coherence, what are you talking about? That's too weird for me. But then when they tune into their heart, they go like, oh my God, I can feel my heart. This is so beautiful. <laughs> and then sometimes I have guys, like I remember, remember one client, like he had military background, like some special forces. I mean, this guy has probably done things and seen things that I can't even imagine. And when he opened his heart, it was like wide open, like pure love coming out there. And then as a result of that, also his sexual function got way better. Um, for me, this practice of self-love is about, let's say, in a practical sense, brain and heart coherence, or in the first step, heart coherence. And if, for example, somebody who's listening to this wants to look that up, um, you could type into YouTube, Heart Math Institute, heart coherence. That's a good start, for example, on that self-love journey. But then even deeper than that, and to change the way you are, in a sense, change the way you behave, change the way you talk to yourself. There's this beautiful book from, I think his name is, oh, I always confuse those two, Kamal Ravikant, I think. He's the brother of that, I think, billionaire Naval Ravikant, is a very famous tech entrepreneur. Um, and he wrote a book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, if I remember correctly, that's the title. It's a very short book, but he basically lost his startup. He was suicidal, like very negative energy. And all he did all day long, and it's a very simple, let's say a simple way of looking at it, maybe too simple, but I really like that book. It's um, where he just says all day long, I love myself, 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 until his subconscious mind at some point believed it and something inside of him changed. I wouldn't even go that far to do that, but to observe your thoughts. How are you talking to yourself? And these are often thoughts that we're not even aware of. It's something from our childhood. We are conditioned with it. And then call yourself out, as I always say, on your own bullshit. <laughs> like call yourself out on these thoughts and change these thoughts. And in the same way as so many of my coaching clients, they have 
talk to themselves in ways where it's no wonder that they have sexual dysfunction. Yeah. Like, I'm not attractive, I'm not good enough, I'm not dead enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not, insert whatever limiting belief you might think of enough. And to then change that self-talk and to really feel yourself into what it would feel like if you were sexually confident, if you were self-confident, if you would love yourself, then again, you will look at yourself in another way. And you will also look at women in another way because you subconsciously believe that they look at you in a different way. Yeah, so powerful what you just shared. And I love the distinction you made between what some people think self-love is and what self-love really is. And, you know, so you're right that self-love isn't an excuse to not do what you need to do, right? So if you happen to be overweight, yeah, you want to love yourself. Hey, I'm overweight. But self-love also means getting up off your butt and eating right and exercising and doing what it takes to get to a healthy weight. And so super important to understand the difference between those that you won't, first of all, you want to have self-love. Second of all, self-love is not an excuse to not do what you need to do. But then third, there are some things that you simply can't change about who you are and you have to grow to love that. Like a perfect example, like I'm five foot nine. I always wanted to be at least six feet tall, right? Am I going to be uh, hating myself because I'm not six feet tall? No, you just have to learn to love the fact that you're five foot nine, right? <laughs> so, and at, some, and at some point you might even love these things about yourself so much because, I mean, when I, for example, embarked on the self-love journey, it was really interesting. After a while, I met somebody who's an expert in scar removal, and he offered me to remove my scars. And I was like, no, thank you. It's okay. I'm good. And again, this is a part of the self-love journey. I mean, back when I was a teenager, I would have paid every amount of money in the world that I could have to remove them. And now I'm like, no, I'm fine. I love myself the way I am. But at the same time, I think it's also loving to yourself to eat healthy. It's loving to yourself to work out. That's way more loving to yourself than letting yourself go. And that's also something where I'm very honest with my coaching clients. I mean, I'm German, like <laughs> I don't care about political correctness. I know nowadays even doctors are sometimes afraid to tell patients like, uh, if you continue to eat like that, you know, you will die. Are you body shaming me? Like, no, I'm trying to save your life. And I had it with coaching clients, actually, with older guys where nothing was working down there anymore. And they went to the gym, they lost a significant amount of weight, they changed their diet. And believe it or not, they had wet dreams again. And the doctors actually said, you hit your second puberty. <laughs> so by making these lifestyle changes, there can be also drastic improvements, especially if somebody's listening who's like very overweight. I have several coaching clients who turned their life around with these lifestyle changes and they literally had a second puberty because their testosterone went up again, um, their penis started functioning again out of nowhere. Yep. You know, it's interesting because I, in another interview, I was talking about some of these things about how you really have to make big lifestyle changes, you know, if things aren't where you want them to be or functioning the way you want them to be. And the person I was speaking with said, well, you're, you're really saying things that people don't want to hear. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but it's what works, right? So whether they want to hear it or not, we have to share these things with people. So I applaud you for doing that with your coaching clients and saying the difficult things that need to be said, because yeah, if you want your body 
to function physically the way it's supposed to function, you've got to take care of it. And that might mean making life. You know, a lot of a lot of people want change, but not many people want to change. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because to want to change is going to require work. <laughs> exactly. But in the end, you will feel so much better about yourself, about your life, not just your sex life, but about every aspect. Well, yeah. And, you know, you, you sort of have to ask yourself the question, if you're not willing to do the work to have the best life that you can have, then what are you doing here? What, what, what's the point of being here, right? This whole place, this is, this is a training ground, right? We're supposed to learn and grow and become better versions of ourselves. And so if you're not willing to do the work to do that, you really have to question, what are you doing here? Now, I'm not suggesting you should then opt to leave. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> But the point is, is that you have to realize that this is actually the reason you're here. <laughs> Just always remember what Arnold Schwarzenegger said. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in your pockets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And he is a great success story, going from literally nothing to being extremely uh, famous, wealthy, powerful, all of the above. So... All right, so we are really running out of time, but it's been a fascinating conversation. I just, I have two more questions, really. The, the, the next one is, do you have any last advice for people when it comes to these issues and how they might use alternative approaches to solve them? I think the best advice I can give is to, when it comes to these alternative ways, or no matter if it's meditation, lifestyle changes, different exercises, is to at least give it a shot. Even if you say, oh, spirituality is for losers, meditation, and you're totally against it. I mean, it's your life. It's your sex life. And especially if you've tried all kinds of other things, give it a shot. Because I always believe that you can become the living proof that it works. Even if in the beginning you have doubt, you don't believe in it, you say like, oh, that's some bullshit, whatever it might be your thought process, but to just give it a shot because you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose whatsoever. I completely agree. You've got nothing to lose. And especially if you've tried other things and they haven't worked, why not try this? You keep trying until you find something that works. Okay. Um, before I ask you the very last question, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience where they can find more uh, from you and if they're interested in working with you, how they can do that. If you want to find out more about me, you can, of course, listen to my podcast, the Sex Education for Men podcast. That can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and every podcast platform out there. At least I hope it's on every platform. <laughs> you can also go to sexeducationformen.com slash coaching. There you can find out more about all the different coaching sessions I offer, including my hypnosis sessions. And you can also go to sexeducationformen.com slash sexgod. And there you can find out more about my eight-week sex god transformation coaching program, where we will have eight individual coaching sessions together. You also get a bunch of bonuses that you can find out more about, um, where we'll discuss everything from sexual confidence, sexual performance anxiety, yes, also self-love, different sexual techniques, how you can satisfy your girlfriend or wife better, and which is basically giving you the whole transformation. Awesome. And the link to sexeducation.com uh, will be in the description. So go find it there. 
Okay, uh, last question, which is a question I ask everybody that comes on the show. Now I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> what is your best sexual talent? My best sexual talent? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say nowadays, giving a woman squirting orgasms. Mm. If you want, I can share a really... Um, very politically incorrect and naughty story with you at the end about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please if do. Still, if you still want. <laughs> I had this experience with um, with this woman where, I mean, I was studying all kinds of different courses, programs, everything about, let's say, how to stimulate a woman's G-spot, which is also a part of my eight-week uh, sex god transformation coaching program. And so I wasn't bad with this woman and she was very self-conscious about let's say her squirting and you know releasing fluid and that kind of stuff and i was making her come like two times and the bed was already getting a little bit wet and then she said like yeah i mean it feels so freaking good she never experienced it in her life she never had a squirting orgasm before but she doesn't want to ruin the bed sheets and i'm like okay let's go to the bathtub so she was lying in the bathtub no water inside and just like in a war zone every time like she had an orgasm i was like uh how do you say ducking behind the i don't know if ducking <laughs> is the right word but behind the bathtub while she was exploding again and then going at it again and i think at the end it was like i don't know six seven ages and like i can't anymore i can't anymore <laughs> and it was a very very fun experience so yeah i bet it was so, you know, uh, bathtub was a great solution in the moment. I will also say, uh, you know, Celine, my wife, uh, was a big female ejaculator. And the solution to not con constantly ruining your bed or your sheets is to get a proper sex blanket that's made to absorb all of that. If you go to kevinandceline.com and go to the products tab, you will find the links there to some affiliate products where you can go purchase those. I have multiples of them in the house. There's some upstairs, some downstairs, so you're never caught without one. <laughs> That's actually amazing. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you if your woman is a female ejaculator, it is a must. It is an absolute must. And even if she's not, you know, there's still a lot of other sex fluids that end up all over your sheets. So I recommend it even if she's not a female ejaculator. All right, Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about the work that you do and giving people some ideas for alternative methods that they might use to solve their sexual problems. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and I will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.